gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, this is Colleen. Before we get to this week's episode, I have a few things that I wanted to mention Uh, First of all, the books that we recently released, I have a link to a post that links each of them in our episode notes. And then lastly, I wanted to tell you about a really neat web app. I'd like you to check it out. It's called Relight, and it's a free Reformed Theology and Bible Study app. And there's a lot of Bible study apps out there and Bible apps and This one is specifically confessionally reformed. The couple that does it, they both have a design background, so everything looks very nice, too. There's a Bible and theology study app, and this is going to be different than anything that you've seen because it is confessionally reformed, and they're always working on it to bring more resources onto it. So I'm going to link that in the episode notes definitely check that out also. I know that this week's episode is maybe a controversial topic and that there is a lot of opinions. We're going to be discussing Nuthetic Counseling and some of our concerns with Nuthetic Counseling. I do hope that you will listen closely to really understand why we have concerns with the movement. Now to the episode. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is here, my co-host. And we have Russ McCary with us tonight, and some of you will n- remember that we've had John Fonville on. I actually met Russ through John because uh, Russ used to attend John's church until he recently moved across country. And Russ also has a YouTube channel called Brushed Red, also a Facebook group, and I think there's a public page too, which I definitely recommend. I'll link them in the episode notes and learn so much from you, Russ. Maybe just for starters, you can tell us about Brushed Red. Sure. Well, first off, thanks again for 
having me. Um, I've listened to Theology Gals for a couple of years now. Um, so I'm excited to be on the show and glad to tell you initially here just a little bit about the ministry that I've tried to start in the last year. So Brush Red is a ministry that I started end of 2019, and it's primarily dedicated to helping Christians who are struggling in their faith. And my goal is to really help them uh, find find that assurance and find spiritual rest in Christ. And so right now, I'm primarily producing YouTube videos, uh, but plan to continue building out my, my website long-term ter- long as a community resource, mainly where people can come learn what spiritual rest is and be involved with others who are on that journey as well. I think a lot of us have been on that journey. And, and so ultimately, I would love to do that full-time. Um, but for now, it's just a YouTube channel, and I'm focused on building a library of resources that just address unhelpful theology that is at the core of, of a lot of Christians' unrest and, and lack of assurance. So I am, uh, I'm a layman at the moment who works in investment finance, but I do, I do have a Bible degree. I was raised in a Christian home and had a, had a long personal struggle with assurance, uh, especially through college and, and after college. Uh, it was a very difficult time for me spiritually, um, and I didn't feel like a lot of people had answers that really comforted me at the time. And it was just like the, the subjectivist evangelical framework that had been built for me in church growing up. And then at the college I attended was just super introspective. And obviously, when we look inside too long, we see what's there. And um, it led me to despair. So, by God's grace, I ended up meeting a Reformed pastor. Um, as you mentioned, John, John Fonville, I met him in 2010 in Jacksonville, Florida. And I met him because he had graduated from the Master's Seminary, and that was on his website. And at the time, I had just recently graduated uh, with my Bible degree, so I was attracted to that church. Um, and I got something very different. <laughs> <laughs> when I met him um, than I had expected, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, he became a mentor. He was extremely helpful in, in just working through a lot of my unrest and unwinding a lot of my misunderstandings. So he helped me relearn Christianity from a, a reformed, Christ-centered perspective. Um, and at this point, we're, we're really close friends. I can honestly say that God used him to change the direction of my life and, and my walk with the Lord. And if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you guys have already promoted John, I've heard you do it before, uh, but I highly recommend uh, Him We Proclaim Radio. It's, it's a podcast where John's sermons are, are condensed into episodes, and they're, they're very clear, very Christ-centered, and, and helpful. So just a great resource that I would highly, highly recommend. Um, so Brush Red basically comes from my excitement of learning how I could be sure of my faith, what that looks like, and just the, that how incredibly freeing and motivating that has been for me. So I've, I've come to feel that my life's calling is to take that experience and, 
help others in, in the same position um, to have that assurance and, and help them be confident in, in their salvation. Um, so the last thing I'll say is just what's behind the name uh, Brush Red. I, I chose the name because I think it's a helpful Old Testament metaphor for how we can be sure. Um, the, the sinful Israelites were spared from death in Egypt because simply the death of the blood of a lamb was painted over the doorway. Um, uh, A lamb was slain and the blood was painted over the doorway. And it had nothing to do with the amount of faith that they had or, or their good works. It didn't matter if they had, you know, slight doubts that the death angel might kill their firstborn or had subconscious fears. Um, It was the blood on the door. That was why they were spared. And as Christians, we can be sure that, God will spare us because the blood of the lamb was shed. And as believers, we're dead with Christ on the cross. We died with him and we can be sure that God will receive us as righteous on the ground of his perfect obedience. That's that's ours by faith. So a lot of evangelical movements out there link assurance and confidence before God to one's level of commitment, sanctification, etc. But once somebody can see that their standing is really determined by faith alone, apart from any contribution that they make, um, they can really rest and and find that spiritual rest in Christ. Um, So the goal of my channel is to deal with those topics that um, unwind those misunderstandings, help people find spiritual rest, and ultimately promote a, a pure, scandalous, crystal clear gospel message. Thanks, Russ. I, I really like the uh, imagery that you explained there with behind brush tread. Um, it's very encouraging to remember what the, the uh, grounds of our assurance are uh, in Christ. Could you uh, explain a little bit about what nuthetic counseling is? Um, you know, is it the same thing as biblical counseling? What's the history? What's the, what does it mean? Sure. So, nuthetic counseling, as far as I understand it, is an approach to counseling um, that really goes back to the work started by Jay Adams. I'm pretty sure he wrote his first book in in 1970, and that's kind of what kicked off the the movement. But the the nuthetic approach to counseling looks at counseling as a purely spiritual or biblical issue. And so for a nuthetic counselor, the handbook is, is scripture and scripture alone. So nuthetic counseling has more recently been renamed biblical counseling in recent years. They're kind of interchangeable terms. So a lot of times you do have to clarify. Um, but the, the framework of nuthetic counseling is really to reject mainstream psychology and psychiatry as humanistic and fundamentally opposed to Christianity. So in other words, a nuthetic counselor makes the assumption that all of our struggles can be linked back to the fall of Adam and Eve and the subsequent corruption of, of humanity, and thus every issue that we have in our personal lives, relationships, and marriages are sin and, and behavioral issues. So in their view, since Christ is the answer to sin, it's concluded that using a Bible as our guide, we should be able to address every issue in their own words by affecting change through encouraging greater conformity to the principles of scripture. So because this is the assumption, the question a nuthetic counselor will ask its detractors would be, is not Christ sufficient? Is God's word not good enough? 
do you think the wisdom of the world is wiser than God's knowledge? And so that would be the, the, the thoughts and, and the responses and kind of an overview of, of what the Newthetic thought process is. But Newthetic counseling has been really popular. It's become extremely popular in evangelicalism and uh, the go-to resource for a lot of people I know and, and a lot of professing Christians. What, I wanted to ask just a really quick uh, uh, follow-up to what you just said, because one of the things I, I've gotten in discussions with people that were trained in Newthetic counseling or you know, everyone from people that were trained in it, uh, like Marissa, that you and I both know, um, and have since um, decided they they don't hold to it, but then also people that were recently trained into it and hold to it. And one of the things that people say to me all the time as well, you know, we've moved away from some of Jay Adams' teachings and stuff like that. And so I think there is differences among uh, some biblical counselors, I guess they would call themselves now. Um, yeah. But I think that everything you said is still foundational to what it is that they hold to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's not, it's like anything else. I don't think there's necessarily one defined newthetic method. I mean, I think that would be true in any discipline of counseling. Um, but really what I'm addressing is what initially was called newthetic counseling. Um, and even in a lot of the other biblical counseling um, curriculums that I've heard of and come across, you still see a lot of the same root issues, although they might have refined the process a little bit um, because of some of the scrutiny that's come back on what Jay Adams did. Um, so I- I'm sure some are better than others, but I, I don't know if that's helpful. No, actually, that's that's very helpful. So, could you explain your background with Newthetic Counseling? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is I am not a licensed counselor. Um, Marissa Namir is a great resource. Uh, she is. Um, or I'm not a psychologist. Um, and, and regarding the discipline of counseling, I'm sure there's a lot of other people that have more specific insights as far as counseling is concerned and, and more expertise than I do. But really where I'm coming at this from is as an aspiring and growing student of theology. And, and because Newthetic Counseling is rooted in principle in what I would say is a certain theological framework, there's a lot I can practically say about it and, and what I believe are mistakes and, and its approach. So the claims of Newthetic Counseling to be rooted in the sufficiency of Christ immediately make it a theological issue. And so that's something that I will, will confidently respond and, and speak to. Um, on a side note, on a smaller level, just out of personal interest, I have studied cognitive functions quite a bit and psychology in general, a little bit in college, but pretty focused for the last three years. Um, more just coming from my own marriage and interest in learning about Steph, my wife, and and just wanting to have more knowledge in that area. Um, so we've met with quite a few counselors. Um, I've been pretty well read on different approaches to counseling. And just as a as kind of an additional side note, I do personality typing with a lot of my friends as a as a hobby, so I can be a better friend to them. And and I'm pretty studied on like nature nurture aspects of human relationships and so I'm I am really interested in this topic but again I'm definitely not an expert um, my background with newthetic counseling and my experience started at the master's college 
Um, I was uh, I got my undergraduate Bible degree there, and counseling was a part of the the curriculum. So as I was getting my biblical studies degree, not only was I in courses um, that that espoused to the newthetic approach. Um, so I read Jay Adams' works, but John MacArthur has written a couple resources. He's written uh, Sufficiency of Christ um, and some others. And then Professor Street uh, was the head of the counseling department. I'm pretty sure he still is too um, at, at the master's college. So I read, I read a lot of different perspectives in the newthetic camp. Um, and what, again, what I would say is that it is a paradigm that fits inside the framework of a certain theology. It's really grown out of a certain approach to scripture that is promoted by the master's college and other, a lot of similar evangelical movements. Um, and at the time I, I did really subscribe to that. Um, so I was, I was being bred to think that way about scripture. And, and so I concluded a lot of the things that a new counselor would um, as well. So that, that's my background and, and really what's made me interested in the topic too. So given that, what, was it that caused you to start questioning newthetic counseling? Well, I think when your theological paradigm changes and, and shifts, you're forced to work back through a lot of different assumptions and interpretations in, in those areas. And so my theological approach has changed a, a lot. Um, just over the last 10 years, I've been on, on a journey basically exiting modern evangelical, uh, the, the modern evangelical paradigm and been reworking more to a historically reformed perspective. So as I've done that, I've revisited these topics and I've just come to a lot different conclusions now that fit more of the narrative of a, of a covenant, a reformed covenant theology. And so it was embracing covenant theology that started me down this path to frankly, just flat out rejecting the approach to, to newthetic counseling. There are three aspects that I think are helpful to consider of a covenantal perspective that I think bring clarity and, and really have left me questioning newthetic counseling and, and flat out rejecting it. The first is having a Christ-centered theology or a Christocentric theology as you begin to venture down the rabbit hole of reform covenant theology, one of the things that happens to the story of scripture is it becomes very clear, simple, and specific. It really creates a framework for making sense of the way the New Testament authors talked about the Old Testament. And it gives you a functional grid for interpreting everything in a way that supports each other. For me, it all kind, kind of came together. It just started making sense of the biblical narrative. It's also important to note that the context of Scripture's content is covenant-making. God has always related to mankind via covenants, and this was the mode of communication between God and man in the Old Testament. So why wouldn't we interpret Scripture in that way if that's how the Hebrews wrote the text? Scripture is comprised of a series of covenants that God makes and fulfills with man. Man and nations break their conditional covenants, but God, the promise keeper, who cannot lie, fulfills the unconditional covenant of grace, which is our only hope in Jesus Christ. And he actually bears the covenant curses on our behalf. 
And that's actually what the gospel is. It's the fulfillment of God's unconditional covenant to send a seed to redeem his elect to himself, despite their corruption and sin. And that gospel message is the whole point and climax of the Bible. The New Testament is nothing more than the apostles and their associates interpreting the Old Testament through the lens of Christ and the gospel. And as Christ said in Luke 24, um, the Old Testament was, was all about him. He, he recalled to their mind all the things of the Old Testament and, and showed them how it applied to him and was speaking of him. So once this becomes apparent, a Christian is going to lose the insecurity which aims to make scripture something that it's not, which uh, I'll argue newthetic counseling does that. Without these categories, it's really easy to make the Bible more of a utilitarian device or an instruction manual for life. But scripture was written to reveal Christ to us. So that's the first thing. Having a Christocentric theology uh, really led me away from a more newthetic approach. So the second thing is a law gospel distinction. Having a covenantal framework forces a distinction between the law and the gospel, and it teaches us that both are rooted in covenants. So the law originates in the Bible in God's conditional covenant to Adam, which Adam broke, and directs us but doesn't empower since Adam forfeited this ability when he did break it in the fall. Israel's future in their national covenant of obedience proves this over and again, but it's the unconditional covenant of free grace promised to Abraham and the split heifer and fulfilled in the gospel of Christ that empowers new desires and holy living. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33 says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Um, that's a direct reference to this new covenant of grace that, that Christ made possible and fulfilled in the gospel. So seeing this brings a quick end to the idea that admonishing someone to obey in a counseling setting doesn't supply the fuel needed to make a sustainable change. It might create a temporary external fix, but God's interest is really in a true heart change, which, which does happen through the gospel. So that law gospel distinction is really important. Lastly, and I think this is really the nail, the nail in the coffin on New Thetic Counseling, is, is really looking at the Noahic covenant. Um, this is another part of covenant theology that's very helpful in helping us to understand just our, our overall worldview. But the Noahic covenant gives us the concept of the eternal kingdom versus the kingdom of this world, or you could call it the spiritual uh, versus the common. So after the flood, God's covenant with Noah is an unconditional promise of common grace to never again decimate mankind until the end of, of time when he judges the living and the dead. God's covenant extends to all mankind. Not just, not just those in the covenant of grace, not just the elect or the Christians, but God promises to all mankind to uphold culture and society and to sustain everyone out of his common grace. The theological idea of common grace is that God, through his sovereignty, sustains mankind and culture so as to prevent him from being as bad as he possibly could be in his sin. 
but also that all mankind benefits practically from his fellow man and just the various gifts that we each have. So the important takeaway from the Noahic covenant is that there's a good and honorable use in what we would consider quote unquote common. So for example, non-Christian doctors can help us with broken legs. Non-Christian musicians can write and compose pleasant music. Non-Christian counselors can research and study the human psyche and attempt to create solutions that address mental brain issues and brain states. Um, Non-Christian scientists can discover the truth embedded in the universe and shed light on the reality of God's general revelation without ever knowing the gospel. And this is just a concept that, for whatever reason, many modern evangelicals are just uncomfortable with. They they don't like the distinction, and there's a tendency to over-spiritualize and demonize what what we're talking about here is common or unchristian. But this is really, it's really not necessary because God has graciously gifted this fallen world with this common grace, and the result is a society where despite our sin and our fallen nature, mankind can thrive and build up others through his or her gifts. So, obviously, as Christians, we know this isn't the long-term plan, but it is nonetheless our current state. So, making counseling a purely Christian exercise really just looks right past this reality in the same way that claiming only Christian musicians, Christian doctors, or Christian scientists are the only legitimate vocations to have or the more quote-unquote holy vocations or approaches to take. Um, And these are just frankly improper distinctions because Christian only describes the spiritual kingdom of the church, not any aspect of the common culture. It's the church which is God's kingdom where God's elect are being sanctified in a different special culture of free grace through the gospel and sanctified through the means of grace, the preaching of the gospel, the sacraments and being, being changed, um, being changed by the Holy spirit. But this kingdom will not fully consummate, and do away with the common kingdom, as it were, until the final judgment. So, in dealing with these categories, since the Bible is written to glorify Christ and reveal, and reveal his work for mankind, we would categorize marriage and personal counseling under the heading of God's common grace kingdom, and thus it would be appropriate to receive counsel from non-believers who are qualified in their field. Whereas a pastor could definitely be qualified to counsel people, but only in reference to shepherding the flock in the gospel. So, highly recommended resource on this topic. Um, David Van Drunen's book, Living in God's Two Kingdoms, was just revolutionary for my thinking, especially in reference to this and a lot of other common grace issues. So, I really recommend that resource. Uh, But in all the three points that I mentioned, The lack of clarity in covenant theology leads to problems because without covenant theology, the Bible becomes about us instead of Christ. Number two, without covenant theology, we confuse law and gospel and misunderstand what will empower true spiritual change. And number three, without covenant theology, we miss how God's covenant with Noah distinguishes the common kingdom of this world from God's kingdom of his church.
And so as you look at neuthetic counseling, it just can't survive as an approach in this context because it's contradictory to all three frameworks. And so because I embrace the covenantal distinctions I just ran through, um, I, I therefore reject neuthetic counseling. You reminded me of something I heard on the White Horse Inn um, probably about 25 years ago. Michael Horton said, uh, when you become a Christian, you throw out all your secular music. When you become Reformed, you throw out all your Christian music. And, you know, there's where all of a sudden you realize, okay, well, some of this so-called Christian music isn't so Christian after all. It's got some bad theology. But also, I can actually enjoy things that aren't Christian, you know, my, my favorite, yeah. my favorite singer is absolutely not a Christian, but I enjoy his music. You know, Russ, one thing when, when you were talking then, we actually had John on for two episodes a few months ago, and we talked how, uh, talked about how important it is to correctly understand those covenants, because as you know, I'm sure there are uh, people that, uh, redefine the covenant of works. They they may or may not call it something different different. And and then it the whole law gospel distinctions and really the gospel falls apart. Mm. So yeah. it's it's important. So before I ask the next question, I wanted to share a little bit of of my background with some of these things. I before we recorded I was telling Rachel and Russ that Early in my being reformed, you know, people were talking about neuthetic counseling, and I thought, well, this must be the reformed thing that I'm supposed to believe. And, you know, on the surface, it sounded right, right? Scripture is the bait, is, you know, gives us all the answers for everything. And um, I met some people along the way that helped me to, to rethink that. But in my own life, um, with going through some health problems, I started having anxiety attacks that literally had no explanation. There was nothing to explain them, you know, and I, I was going to my immunologist and I said, you know, I have these anxiety attacks and there's nothing there. Like I, there's nothing on my mind that's like, I'm anxious about this thing. And he, so he said, well, I'm going to do this all day test on you to kind of monitor your hormones and stuff. And Eventually, so doing this, and then again, I, I had spent a month at Mayo Clinic, and they did the the same sort of test where they test they do tests throughout the day to kind of see where your cortisol levels are and other hormones are. And eventually, my immunologist said, "Okay, there's some sort of autoimmune issue that's attacking your adrenal glands. So here, are your adrenal glands um, they balance your cortisol or." or maybe they don't work correctly and your cortisol's all over the place. And that's exactly what was happening with me. And I realized, wow, there can be a physical cause to some of these mm -hmm. things. And any, you know, we have women that go through um, postpartum depression or, you know, many women go through um, different hormonal changes throughout the month that affect our, our feeling of well-being and mm -hmm. really saw this kind of, okay, there is, some sort of mind-body connection. That doesn't mean all anxiety and all depression is um, physical, but it does mean it can be have a physical cause. So, but there, like when you were talking about, the, you know, what it is that neuthetic counseling teaches, and there's a lot of Christians, you hear it, they, you know, they say scripture should be sufficient for everything, especially all forms of anxiety and depression. And I know in that early neuthetic counseling stuff, there was even a, 
denial that mental illness could be a thing. There's no such, I mean, I've read something that said there's no such thing as schizophrenia. There's no such thing as bipolar. Well, I, I have a son that's bipolar, so I can tell you that's not true. So when we're faced with somebody who says, but scripture should be sufficient, you know, for all of our emotions and how we're feeling and anxiety and depression, how, how do we think about these things? Yeah, I mean, so that's a great question. And actually, I didn't tell you this before, Colleen, but I, it's funny because shortly after I took the new Thetic approach, I remember having conversations with these two ladies that were struggling with depression, some older ladies, and I was, <laughs> I was overly confident in my approach and that it had to be sin. And so I, I've literally sat Although I was never a counselor, I've sat on the side of what I imagine a counselor would feel in trying to help somebody, you know, direct them to the fact that they have a sin problem. And it's funny because shortly after that, I uh, I got major anxiety myself, um, which eventually led to depression because I couldn't get rid of it. And it sounds similar. I was having adrenal issues because I was really just not sleeping well and was drinking too much caffeine. Um, and it was actually a simple fix, but it was a physiological fix. Um, and that, like, God really humbled me personally through that experience. Um, and I think, you know, that's an unspoken part of, I think, maybe initially what showed me, hey, there's more to this than, than just a, a spiritual issue. And we have to be open to the physical side of this. Um, so that's a little personal story of just my my experience on the other side of this. Um, but I, I think there's quite a few problems with, with the Nuthetic perspective. I think in reference to even what I just said, Nuthetic counseling just is overly simplistic. It's it's almost overly platonic and too spiritual. And, and a lot of times that can force it to be almost like a, a prosperity gospel, and I'll explain what I mean as we get into this. But Nuthetic counseling claims that scripture in Christ is sufficient to solve all that someone could need in a counseling situation. So they would say depression, um, anxiety, as you mentioned, Colleen, uh, relationship issues, personal issues, mental issues, they're all sin issues. But the reason I say overly platonic is because this is only dealing with a spiritual problem. And it's, again, it's over, oversimplifying us as people. It is true that we have a spiritual problem, and it is true as Christians, we believe that there's a broken relationship with the Lord because of our sin. There's separation from God. But the fall has stained all kinds of aspects of our being. And, and created a lot of different effects. And scripture never gives any promise that on this side of heaven, we're going to be relieved of all that, that, that we're going to be relieved of all physical or even spiritual suffering or brokenness. The gospel is a promise to meet us in our brokenness and redeem our soul so that we're counted in the final resurrection unto life where our entire being will be perfected. And while that does include sanctification and growth and holiness, it absolutely in no way implies that if we just follow some formula, that scripture will solve all the problems we need to see a counselor for. Uh, this is just 
very unsubstantiated, definitely not scientific, and it's a very dangerous assumption that really doesn't even have a biblical basis. And the reason I say that it's almost like a prosperity gospel is because similar to the way prosperity preachers tell a person that, well, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith, the neuthetic counselor is telling their patient that their relationship, their mental state, their personal and other struggles or experiences are lack of conformity to God's law. I just think we have to be really careful with that. We can't just jump in and say it's a result of disobedience. But it's not surprising why it's approached that way. I mean, the word nuthetic comes from the Greek term nuthetio, um, which means admonish. So their solution is just to admonish an obedience to the law as a solution to every problem. If you would just obey God's law, you wouldn't be depressed. If you would just obey God, you wouldn't be so anxious. If you just trust the Lord, you would get the solution you're looking for. And as I arrogantly said to those women years ago, um, you know, if you'll just do this, God will do this. And this is this is an this is more like karma than a biblical idea. Just because I trust Christ doesn't mean I'll be free from pain or that I won't struggle with depression. It's been proven scientifically, just like in your case, Colleen, that. Depression is physiological a lot of times. Uh, anxiety is physiological a lot of times. We are, we are complex beings. We have a spiritual and a physical aspect to us. And all these physical realities like brain chemistry, personality, the environment we're raised in, these all play a, a very complicated and complex role in our struggles relating to other people, to ourselves, how we personally cope in a fallen world. Um, and nuthetic counseling is not only defiant of this fact, it's practically dangerous. I mean, there have been people that I've talked to uh, Marissa about this. She's had multiple cases where people have committed suicide or, or that she's heard of because they had severe depression. They went and the depression was physiological and they saw a nuthetic counselor and they, they ended up killing themselves. Um, and, and that's just a dangerous thing to deal with. So this is not just theoretical or ethereal. I mean, this is a real life issue that, that is, I think, important to talk about because it has a real effect on people who do need help. Um, and uh, so I, I think that I think we have to realize that it is bigger than just a, a, a sin issue. And I think nuthetic counseling fails to do that. The second thing I would say about it is, just frankly speaking, nuthetic counseling is formulated using an underlying theology of self-righteousness. I mean, as I look back and I think about just even saying what I said to, to those women struggling with depression, I was just, I was a self-righteous wretch to, to approach it that way. And, and oftentimes, the theology and assumption of nuthetic counselors is almost always the same. It's a theology of submission and, and asceticism. So you, you are essentially having these struggles, you sinner, because you're not disciplined enough. You're not committed enough. And, and your broken relationships and personal problems are a result of that. You need to be beating your body into submission to God's law and getting yourself under control, and these problems will go away. But 
these things even have a total disregard for Scripture. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 12.8, Paul asked God three times to remove whatever thorn he had in his flesh, but God did not. And he said to Paul that my power is perfected in your weakness. So God, God's not a vending machine. He's not a genie that's going to respond positively to our broken attempts at obedience. He's not going to heal us because of a certain amount of faith that we have. But oftentimes, this is the paradigm of modern evangelicalism. And it really runs through the vein of, of the entire perspective. You see it all over the place. I'm saved by a decision I make to follow Jesus if I fully surrender. God sanctifies me only when I surrender all. Um, I've been researching for my own content and brushed red recently about the uh, higher life Keswick conventions and just some of those perspectives. And um, I'm releasing a video about surrendering all. Um, so this is definitely a relevant topic. Uh, but Andrew Murray, who was part of this movement, he wrote a lot of books. He's a really popular name in evangelicalism. He wrote a book called Absolute Surrender. And he says, the condition of God's blessing is absolute surrender of all into his hands. If our hearts are willing for that, there is no end to what God will do for us and to the blessings God will bestow. So this is the framework of Newthetic Counseling. God's blessing of mental, spiritual, and emotional prosperity is basically based on our ability and corresponds to how much we're willing to surrender. So all the all the fundamentalists, literalists, dispensationals, pastors, pedalists stuff, we shouldn't really be surprised that they're counseling people and encouraging people to, to be counseled this way as well. It's like you, you want to be saved, you need to surrender all. You want to grow in your faith, you haven't given up everything. You need to give up something. You want a better marriage, you're holding on to something. You're depressed, you haven't found joy in the Lord. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So go be satisfied in him. You're anxious. You don't trust God enough. The ironic thing about so many of these pastors and counselors is that they claim Calvinism, but these are functionally Arminian statements. And they, in my opinion, they think way too highly of, of the power of the fallen will. So the last thing I'll say um, about about the problems I see with the newthetic approach and um, you know, scripture being sufficient of everything is going back to the, the Noahic covenant. Newthetic counseling requires us to make something common holy. Biblical counseling or newthetic counseling, in this case, is the equivalent of requiring that all good music be Christian. But good music is good music, Christian or not. Counseling is a common discipline that will not exist in glory, and we shouldn't be forcing it into the category of a uniquely Christian kingdom discipline. As, as I said before, there, there's no basis in Scripture for this. Scripture is not a counseling handbook, and, and we shouldn't be making it that. It's interesting when you were talking about that, it, it, it really is a, a form of prosperity gospel. If you do these things, then God will bless you with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and it's something Colleen and I have joked about before, is this approach of we'll just stop sinning reminds us of the Bob Newhart skit uh, where it, it's his approaches. We'll just stop it. Right. Yeah. Just stop it. Just stop it. Or I'll bury 11 in a box. Yeah. The, I show my just, wife that all the time. She doesn't it's like so it. It's so funny. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's too true. Right. It, that's, 
that's the difficulty. Um, you know, as Colleen shared with her, her story, um, I've struggled most of my life with anxiety. And, um, you know, I was raised in, in Nuthetic and uh, Bible-only type counseling approaches with, with a, a, a tendency to distrust any secular psychology or counseling approaches, um, medication is a crutch kind of approach. Um, and it's taken me um, till last year to be willing to finally overcome my uh, kind of natural aversion or fears of it and actually seek a counselor. And I've been seeing a counselor for the last year uh, who is a licensed counselor. Um, and while she is a believer and we do talk about our faith and it does inform um, the discussions that we have, um, the counseling is not biblical counseling. It's not authentic counseling. And um, it's been very helpful for me, but it was, it took a lot to get to that point of being able to, to say, mm-hmm. I need help and I'm willing to seek it in this way. So, for those who are currently embracing nuthetic counseling or coming out of that perspective, what would you say to them? Well, I think, at least in my experience, it's really hard to change your mind about it, um, at least from a theological perspective, unless the underlying assumptions change and your theology changes, or if you experience in real life how damaging it can be. Um, I think those two things tend to propel people out of that. Um, But I would say for someone who just wants to know more about this, I I really am going to defer back to the the covenant approach and having the right theological categories. Um, If you don't have the right theological categories, it's not only counseling that will be misunderstood. It's, it's the gospel that'll be misunderstood. Um, and so it's just so important to get these categories right. And my favorite part about my journey, and I think the most exciting thing about my growth um, over the last decade is all of the answers that I could ever want are nicely, neatly organized into all the reform confessions. Um, it's, it's so simple to get the information. It's not hard to find. Um, and so the first thing I would say for somebody who, who is trying to just grow their perspective, you know, whether they believe in Nuthetic or not, um, the Reformed Confessions, the Westminster Confession, uh, the, the Heidelberg Catechism, Canons of Dort, the 39 Articles, the Belgic Confession are great places to start. I would recommend if you don't have one, a Reformed Study Bible is an incredible resource. All these are in the back of that Bible if you get the full the full edition, um, as well as a lot of other great resources. My wife and I really enjoyed that Bible just because of that piece too. The confessions are complements to Scripture. They mirror Scripture's truth like, I think of them like peer-reviewed journals for Christianity. They are documents that were organized by the church of old, by scholars of that time, um, and and they help us to make sense of the Christian faith in a clear and concise way, because the reality is we are, we are centuries and millennia removed from the context of Scripture. 
And so why not go to a resource like that that's done the work for us to help us make sense of a very big and complex narrative um, that's simple if we can have the key principles down. Um, so that's the that's where I would start. I would start by studying those resources. I think that will remold the underlying assumptions um, and really help people to have that two-kingdom perspective uh, with the, the Noahic, uh, the, the spiritual, and the common distinction. Um, second, I would say if you're not already um, having a church that's faithful to preach the gospel and submits to these type of historic documents is, is just critical. That's what's been the, the lifeline for me. Um, and the, having a pastor committed to the faith passed down through history that will care for your soul because they've been taught these categories is going to make a much higher likelihood that, that they will be resting in these categories themselves and, and help you with them. Um, and lastly, um, just realizing the church hasn't been commissioned by Jesus to be uh, a marriage counselor or personal counselors outside the realm of gospel teaching. That is what the church is called to do. The church is commissioned to make disciples and baptize converts. So you should feel at liberty. You should feel free to find whatever professional counselor has the credentials specific to your situation. Um, as you said, Rachel, when, when this has been your mindset for a long time, it's hard. I went through the same thing in my own journey. Um, we work with a counselor still who is a Christian. Um, but really, the only thing that informs the conversation from that perspective is our counselor is very gospel-centered. So she does she does remind us of the gospel in our sessions, but her approaches are are not necessarily biblical counseling. And we've gotten a lot of personal value and growth from that. But just like finding a a doctor, lawyer, or financial advisor, you want to look for someone who's qualified. Make sure that they know you're a Christian. And ask that they're respectful of your worldview if they're not. It's, o- it's okay if they're not. I mean, just like we can have good non-Christian plumbers, we can have good non-Christian counselors. And God's given us that liberty um, to, to live in a world where his kindness extends to those who don't believe when it comes to vocations like these. Um, so there's a lot of professionals out there that you can speak to that can help you with that. Um, and the final thing I would say is I just think newthetic counseling is really an unnecessary discipline that's very unsupported when you're reading scripture in what I would say is the right way, the covenantal, the covenantal perspective. And uh, I think really we need to reject it as not only unbiblical, but just dangerous in a lot of situations. Yeah, I appreciate you said that, Russ. Um, I I agree with you. I think it's potentially dangerous. And you said that one reason that people will sometimes end up rejecting it is because they kind of see the the negative fruit of it. That was definitely, um, I'm not going to go into the stories, but that was definitely the case for me. And I really came to the conclusion that that it was dangerous. Um, I think of my grandmother, and this was long before Nuthetic Counseling came out, but my grandmother had started having some odd symptoms in her 40s and went to the doctor. Now, this is in the 1960s, and so they threw a, a you know, Valium or something similar at her and <laughs> said, go take this. Um, turned out she had a brain tumor which they discovered late. It was actually, she went to a chiropractor because some a chiropractor said, well, I could probably help you. And um, she started having headaches with these other symptoms. 
And he's, he did some x-rays and saw shadow in the x-ray, turned out to be this brain tumor. But I think of her going through these symptoms, had she gone to, you know, a nuthetic counselor, just that's an example of how potentially dangerous it is. And I have had friends, uh, when you're talking about that prosperity gospel, I've had friends who've gone to nuthetic counseling with, you know, different situations. They were maybe molested as a child. And they're being told, well, since you're still struggling with what happened to you, you just need to repent for that or these, <laughs> these sorts of things. And, you know, one of my friends came to me and said, I've done everything, everything that the counselor told me to do, and I'm still suffering. And mm -hmm. you can see how that becomes dangerous. And, um, you know, I've heard a story just today of, of somebody in the New Thetic a camp that ended up taking their life. And so I think that's why it was so important to me to discuss this because it is in our circles. Uh, you know, Russ, you said something to me before we recorded, and I, I would like you to maybe say it again, but you talked about how really it's an inconsistent way of looking at things if you are reformed. Yeah, you were you were asking and just talking about how there were people in the in the reformed camp, um, even like yourself, who when New Thetic counseling started, it sounds right. Um, I mean, I, I it sounded right to me too. Um, but I think what I would say is what I've tried to say in in just the conversation today as it's come up is New Thetic counseling has grown out of an approach to scripture that is primarily biblicist and dispensational without clear covenant categories. Um, and it, all, for all the reasons we discussed, Nuthetic counseling has problems. It is consistent with that view of, of reading your Bible in a way that doesn't have clear covenant categories. You don't have clear covenant categories. You don't make the Noahic distinction. You don't make the law gospel distinction properly. It leads to all kinds of problems, but it leads to things like Nuthetic counseling too, um, where you're, you have your categories incorrect. There may be people in the Reformed camp who embrace Nuthetic counseling or, you know, similar versions of, of biblical counseling that have roots in Nuthetic counseling, whatever it may be. But it is inconsistent with the Reformed Confessions. There's a reason the Reformed Confessions never talk about counseling <laughs> or talk about uh, uh, being a, a medical professional or never talk about young earth creationism or science because they're not primary issues. And that's what's so helpful about the confessions is they've worked through the critical issues, which are the gospel, Christ's righteousness for us, and how that originates in a covenantal understanding. And so that's what's been helpful to me is to really find that concrete foundation of, of what leads to truth. Um, and in a discipline like this, um, I think the confessions are really helpful to direct us and, and uh, you know, ultimately help us help other people in, in you know, pointing them the right way for, for good counseling. Well, Rachel and I just released some catechism and scripture memory books, and we kind of released them for children, things that we had or wished we'd had for our children, but I think they'd be helpful 
for uh, anyone really. So I'll, I'll link those in our episode notes also, because we have the Children's Catechism, the Westminster Shorter, and the Heidelberg, both uh, catechism and scripture uh, for memorization. And we have them on Kindle, and um, you can get an actual book of those. So I'll link those, because I think, you know, you talking about the importance of those uh, confessions and catechisms. It's so, so helpful in everything that we're talking about here. So thank you, Russ, so much. I'm going to link anything that was mentioned today. Uh, Russ mentioned uh, at least one book that I'll link in the episode notes. You mentioned the book from David Van Drunen. We have an episode with him about that very subject, which I'll link in the episode notes. And then also Brushed Red, I'll link... Um, everything you have with Brush Red in the episode notes. And um, and so go check Russ out. His, go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Thanks, Russ, for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It, it was a pleasure, and hopefully I get invited back. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciated having you on. <laughs>